Adams, Adamly, Adamowski, Bueller, Burns, Burns, Burns. <laughs> Time for School, Rock School, with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. Whether you like it or not, because I keep putting shows together and I need someone to bounce ideas off of, and thank you for stepping in, and thank you for letting me put together a, uh, a studio upstairs. Does this mean that you're like going to do more house chores and go buy groceries? Let's not get crazy. Class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show, Rock School Radio Network, and my name is Joe Burns, sitting here in the captain's chair. It took, let, let's see, the first person to sit in the co-captain's chair was Chad Pierce, then it was Beth West, then it was Monique Gregoire. Keep counting. I know, you are number four. No! You are the Gary Sharon oh. of this show. Now, don't even say that. I, well, you are. So, uh, you are who? I want to be David Lee Roth now, no, but you I'm, can't be. You well, don't look good in spandex oh, pants. Stop. <laughs> What's your real name? My real name is Tammy Burns. Good for you. Now, are you interested in staying in that chair for the remainder of this show? I need someone who is a little bit solid and will stay with me until I can't think of any more topics. You know, I I'm here till something better comes along. So you think there's going to become I don't know other offers from oh, other other absolutely. shows? You think so? That's yeah. going to come along? No. Oh, well. Okay, I'm here. Let's get back to the thing since you are our new you know, the new co-host and all of that. Let's get back to what we were starting. Uh, We're recording on a Sunday night, right? Right. So let's start the new thing that we were doing. If you remember when you took over from Monique, Mm -hmm. Monique, when she went on, um, what was it? uh, Maternity leave. I was going to say baby watch. But uh, (laughs) when she went away, we started talking about, we were recording on a Sunday night what you're drinking. So go ahead. What are you drinking, my dear? What are you having there? What is that? Well, I'm drinking a uh, dirty root beer. A dirty root beer. And what is the alcohol in a dirty root beer? That would be vodka with a little bit of half and half splashed on top. I am having a Macallan Scotch neat. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Slim and Trim, Thank Calorie you very Watcher. Much. Lovely. All right. All right. Here's what we're doing for today's show. Rolling Stone magazine, which, by the way, I don't subscribe to and anymore. And why not? Because they're not a rock magazine anymore. What, you getting those little perfume slips in there now? No, that's from my Men's Health magazine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. But Rolling Stone, too much, too much about television, too much about all the other things, too much, you know, political stuff. Please just write about rock. And roll. You're getting old. I am. Rolling Stone put up a poll. What is the best double album? Mm. And they put it up as 
in terms of sellers, uh, in terms of units sold, I don't think it's albums sold. When you sell a double album, it is counted as two albums. Okay. If you remember the concept of Columbia Records when you used to get, I don't know, 50 I for do. a penny. I do, yes, remember that? yes, yes. You used to have to put two stickers for the double yes. albums. Yes, oh, okay, right? I do remember that, yes. Well, I believe what they have here is units sold rather than... Uh, albums sold so what i have here is the list and then they asked all of the people who were uh you know users of the website what do you think is the best right but here is the list of the top sellers and we're going to talk about double albums whether you like them or not and things like that but let's play a song to get into this uh bob dylan comes in at number 37 why it starts at 37 who knows, huh? I don't know. It's Rolling Stone. Bob Dylan comes in with Self-Portrait, 1965, half a million, which is why I think it's units. Mm-hmm. Has to be. At least it's a million seller. Uh, 36 is Derek and the Dominoes, Layla and Assorted Love Songs. That's from 1970. Again, half a million. I think it's units. It would be a million seller. And the one we're going to play from, Todd Rundgren, Something Anything from 1972. Hello, It's Me was oh, the big I like hit it. off of that. And it sounds like this with my new co-host. I knew I've known you for a while. Cheers. I think so. It sounds like this on Rock School. Hello, it's me. Did you like double albums? I know you don't buy albums anymore. You download onto your iPod. I did. Did I mean, did you buy the double eight tracks and the I double did. cassettes and all of that? I bought the whole thing. You did? Yep. What was the first double album? Do you know? Oh, my gosh. I have Thanks it here. Thanks for throwing... Oh. I have it here. I thought yeah. you might know it. What is it? It's, it's, a, it's one of your favorite people, of course, Bob Dylan. Blonde on Blonde. Oh, my God. Now, some people say that it was Frank Zappa. The problem was Blonde on Blonde beat him in uh, June of 1966. Frank Zappa came out a week later with Freak Out. You would have taken a triple album from Frank Zappa. I just yes? like, and I like anything by Frank well, Zappa. There you I really go. do. More's it's, better, right? Yeah, it's one of those things that, and again, the Frank Zappa album was his debut album. So you had a record company taking a shot on a new person, not just putting out an album, but putting out a double album. So you really had, because back then you got to remember, you had to press the albums. uh, You had to put them in a gatefold element. So you had this record company taking a shot on a brand new person and Frank Zappa wasn't sort of a poppy Beatles or Beach Boys-esque person. You had this avant-garde artist who was putting out, you know, Trouble Every Day was the single from the, the album. Right. And it was really attacking society. So as a person who was the R&D man, research and development man, uh-huh. who was saying to the record company, hey, we got to put this guy out. Right. You know, you're really taking a shot on this. You're not exactly, you know, putting out Judy's turn to cry. Hey, it's got a shot. You got to love the artist if you're buying a double album. You really are. I, in terms of a double album, the thing that drove me crazy 
about a double album is you had to really invest time into it. Mm -hmm. You you couldn't just put on the single and go, hey, that's great. You had to invest time because a double album usually was something that was uh, a concept. You had to invest more than just, hey, the singles are wonderful. Right, right. And it took a while. It was commitment, huh? It really was. Getting back to the Rolling Stone list, number 34, they claim LCD Sound System by LCD Sound System. That was 2005. Again, half a million. Number 33, Radiohead in Rainbows. Uh, that was in 2007. Again, half a million. Prince, Lotus Flower. Wow. Remember the yes. E in Lotus Flower is spelled with a three because Prince went out of his way to misspell everything on purpose. Half a million. Number 31 jumps to a million. And again, I think this is units sold, not physical albums. So I think 2 million albums went out the door. Chicago 2. Do you know? Chicago started numbering, obviously. Yeah, they did. Do you remember what the hit was off of Chicago oh, 2? Don't put me on the spot like this. What was it? What was it? 25 or 6 to 4. Oh. Sounds like this. should alter my statement that I said before. I said the first double album was Bob Dylan's Blonde on Blonde. You did? It's the first rock double album hmm. because there were double albums before that. In fact, I'm going to give you one here. I collect early, early albums that, okay. I, that I think had something to do with rock and roll. I believe that maybe one of the first rock and roll albums was Jazz at the Philharmonic. And it was part of a multi-album set. So technically it wasn't a double album, okay. but it was a multi-album set. We forgive you. Okay, fine. The first live double album came in 1938. So if people listened to me state 1938, they're going to go, no, wait a minute, you said Blonde on Blonde was the first double album. It was the first rock double album. Uh, well, some, that's, that's all that matters, right? Right. Well, some people are going to fight me even that Blonde on Blonde wasn't a rock double album. No, mm. that was folk. Okay, fine. But 1938, Carnegie Jazz uh, Concert by Benny Goodman was the first live double album. And even then, somebody is probably going to jump up and say, now wait a minute, there's even something before that. Maybe the first studio double album was by a French singer-songwriter by the name of Leo Ferrer Verlantine. Uh, he created something on Barclay Records back in 1964. Now, that's a studio album. Right. Is that the case? Well, I don't know. It depends. Maybe somebody can find something beforehand. So, it's French. I don't know. Do we follow French music? No. I know I do. <laughs> I have a huge French music following. Moving along on the Rolling Stone rundown. Yeah, yep, now, yep. again, these have some research behind them. They are in terms of sales. We just did Chicago 2. At number 30 is Chicago 3. Oh, That's from 1971. my gosh. Uh, number 29, Eat a Peach from 1972. A million. 
Number 28, Exile on Main Street. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number 27, Quadrophenia Million. Number 26, Chicago 7 from 1975. Oh, my gosh. Again. Big hit from that was Wishing You Were Here. Uh, Number 25, Out of the Blue. ELO, Electric Light Orchestra, nice. one of your favorites. Number 24, uh, London Calling, the Out of the Gate LP yeah. from The Clash, 1979. And the one we're going to play, number 23, The Cure from 1987, A Million, Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me. Here is the cure from that album, Just Like Heaven, here on Rock School. Coming into the first break... Once again, I want to thank you for taking over as the full-time Please host. Please, stop, stop, more, more, give me some. I, yes, think, yes. I think I will. What's even nicer about this yes. is that you have allowed me to spend a substantial amount of money, and we're not just sort of recording this, well, we are today, we're sitting at our kitchen table with a little audio board that I've set up and plugged some microphones into. That's what this is about? That's what this is about. You have allowed me to spend, again, a rather substantial amount of money, and I'm putting in an audio studio upstairs. Allowed? Al- yes, no, allowed. No, come on, you work. Now, come on, please. Uh, you know, I you may- work for your money. You work hard for your money. Come I may on. Be the, what am I, Donna Summer? Could I'm, be. I may got be great the, legs. I may be the head of this household, but let's be honest, you know, you're the neck that lets the <gasps> head go back and forth. So, back and forth. So, uh, I'm hoping next week to have the entire uh, studio set up so Perfect. you'll be able to hear it. And we're right now going out of dynamic microphones. I purchased some very nice condenser microphones. So I it saw should them. sound, and they're they're so beautiful, aren't they're they? They're red, ladies I know. and gentlemen. I'm With, excited. If I'm not mistaken, red makes sound so much better. Let me give you, uh, if I could, a little bit more uh, information about double albums. John Lennon's "Some Time in New York" and Pink Floyd's "Amagama." are both examples of one studio record and one live album packaged together. That's uh-huh. nice. I like it. And Outkast's Speaker Box and The Love Below are effectively two solo albums, mm-hmm. each by one member of a duo. That's something that probably should have been done by Hall & Oates. But yeah, we true. Would, we would have only wanted to hear one of uh, the albums. So, oh, please. I know. Take a look at your uh, list right there. It's sitting right there in front of you. WMCE Erie, Pennsylvania. They listen to us. Who do you have right there? Do you have to put on your glasses for this? Um, well, it's your writing. It's very bad. But KRFY in Sandpoint, Idaho. They also listen. <laughs> That's you true. I like how you have to hold it so fast. Far away. Now, now. God, we're old. Back in a minute on Rock School. All 
right, coming out of the break, let's get back to the Rolling Stone poll. Actually, first, let me give you another piece of information. Mm-hmm. You know what the best-selling double album is of all time? 66 million units. Michael and Jackson? It is Michael Jackson, but they don't have it on the Rolling Stone poll of of sellers, and I agree with the fact that they don't have it on the poll. Why? Because my opinion is it is not a true double album. What? It, it's a greatest hits LP. It is Michael Jackson's His Story. Yes. Yeah, history, past, present, and future. Mm-hmm. Book number one. I never got around to book number two. Aww. Uh, 33 million copies or 66 million units worldwide. Again, I don't consider it a double album because it's a greatest hits. The fact that he had a ton of hits and it required two albums, two CDs, two A-tracks, two cassettes. Nice, huh? To put the thing out. Yeah, it's a great success, but it's not a double album. I, I know. You. I know what people are going to say. Well, yes, it is because it took two items to put it out. That's not the same concept. It's not like you put on a concert and it took two to put it out. Or you wrote, I mean, what's a, what's an album? 10 songs, 12 uh-huh. songs? Yeah. You wrote 24 songs. That's that's a double album to me. Then the Michael Jackson thing isn't. It shouldn't be in this category. No. I think it should be. No, you're wrong. Uh, number 22 on the Rolling Stones poll, Sign of the Times, Prince. Oh, in. there you go. I From love 1987. it. 1987. I love that album. Uh, number 21, Back to Basics, Christine Aguilara. I didn't care for that album. In fact, I've never heard it, to be honest with you. 1.6 million. Blonde on Blonde, there's Dylan. Mm-hmm. Right there, 1966, 2 million. Uh, 19, Electric Ladyland, Hendrix, 2 million. 18, Chicago Transit Authority. <laughs> Chicago does a lot of music, ladies and gentlemen. Uh-huh. The 1969, two million. The big hit off of that was "Does anybody really know what time it is?" Oh my goodness! Number 17, 1969, two million uh, sold. Tommy by the Who. Right. And the one we're gonna play, and I'm playing this for you. Okay, do it. Tusk, Fleetwood Mac. Thank you. There you go. 1979, two million in sales. This is Tusk on Rock School. Is that, is that your favorite band, Fleetwood Mac? Uh, no, Steely Dan is probably my favorite band. Steely Dan? Yeah. yeah so, but they're up there, are they oh, not? Oh, I love it. Yeah, love Fleetwood it, love Mac. it. Mm-hmm. Good. Bottom of the hour, my name is Joe Burns, and for the remainder of the show, your name is? Tammy Burns. Thank you. Unless goodness. I marry someone else. Well, you know, we are only co-inhabiting. That's the thing. In the great state of Louisiana, after 10 years, I have to move out for a short amount of time or you get half of my stuff. Really? No, that's not true. I made that up. So Hmm. bottom of the hour, let's do seven days in 70 seconds. These are the rock and roll dates, August 17th all the way through August 23rd. Let's do something that happened on each one of these dates. I believe my loving wife with her arm extended as far as she can possibly get it is reading what I wrote. Go ahead, Monday, do it. August 17th. 1968 Cashbox magazine lists the doors 
Hello, I Love You as the best-selling single in America. August 18, 1982, the city of Liverpool named four streets after the Beatles, John Lennon Drive, Paul McCartney Way, George Harrison Close. What? <laughs> what? What's a close? I don't know. And Ringo Starr Drive. August 19, 1972, NBC debuted their rock and roll TV show, Midnight Special with Wolfman Jack. I watched it constantly. Me too, dude. I existed for it. Me too. August 20th, 1980, John Lennon begins recording his final album, Double Fantasy. August 21st, 1980, Linda Ronstadt debuted as Broadway, forget that, on Broadway in the production of Gilbert and Sullivan's The Pirates of Penzance. You want me to edit that? No. no, Just let that go? Go. Free. fine. Do your thing. August 22nd, 1906. That's right. 1906. The Victor Talking Machine Company of Camden, New Jersey Uh begins to manufacture a record player they called the Victrola. And then finally, August 23, 1978, comedian Steve Martin was awarded a gold record for the novelty song King Moving back to the Rolling Stone rundown of the biggest-selling double albums of all time, number 15, Emancipation Prince. I didn't care for it. Why? I just didn't. I didn't think it was... I thought it was sort of plodding, and it just kind of went... What do you have to do to impress you? I don't know. I didn't care for it because my roommate, Mark, uh, at the time, Uh was a huge Prince fan, and he had just, I believe it came out after whatever the album was. It had Raspberry Beret on mm-hmm. it and such. And I really enjoyed that. And I remember him getting this. And, and I don't remember what the song was, but it ended with, you know, we could have a boy. We'll name him so-and-so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and pfft, I just didn't care for it. Eh. I remember it just didn't move me that much. I am, number 14, I am Sasha Fierce, Beyonce. Three million this thing has sold. Goodness. You know, she is a force unto herself. I don't personally care for her music, but people who do absolutely love her. Number 13, 1999, Prince. There you go. Again? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, oh yeah. He does very well. He's not having any trouble meeting the cable bill. Number 12, one of the Bruce Springsteen albums I really do enjoy, The River. Mm-hmm. I think it's wonderful. 1985 million units. Wow. Goodness. Woo. And the uh, the U2 album that I have prominent on my iPod, Rattle and Hum, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen. And my favorite U2 song of all time, Desire. Yeah. You're on right. Coming out of you too, rattle and hum. Let's get a little bit more out of the way for the Rolling Stone rundown of the best-selling double albums of all time. All Things Must Pass, George Harrison, 1970, 6 million units. Unbelievable. What a shock. You just had to shake your head because when he came out of the Beatles, you had to shake your head. This is a guy that got like one album 
or one song per album. I know. And you think he had yourself, so much to give to someone, huh? You know, what were you doing? Stockpiling songs? He during was just the writing constantly. Had to be. And then this thing comes out and kaboom. He was, in my opinion, the shock of the breakup of the Beatles. I know that the breakup was the shock, but then out comes All Things Must Pass, and you're, you're expecting like Paul McCartney or John Lennon to be the the explosion of the breakup, hey, and then here comes George... Who? George Harrison? Are you kidding me? Yeah, you know what? The breakup was actually good. You would have never gotten all of these wonderful things, wonderful songs from... Uh, from them as individuals. Or, it was a good thing. Or Ringo Starr. Your, I know. I love him. Right. Your song, It Don't Come Easy, mm-hmm. from Ringo Starr. You yep. adore that piece I of do. music. Number nine, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, Elton John, mm-hmm. 7 million units from 1973. Uh, number eight, this one hurts my uh, hurts my soul that I didn't listen to it more. All uh-huh. Eyes on Me, Tupac. I was never into Tupac enough to sort of understand the yeah, movement. Yeah, me neither. I kind of got into him later when people sort of grabbed me and said, you have missed the boat right. on this, pal. And I, I should have been around when it happened mm-hmm. because it makes more sense to me now. But mea culpa, I'm kind of getting into it at a later date. You and I are going to go see straight out of Compton Yeah, because... I may make a, a rock school show out of it because not that it's gangster rap. It it shows the rise of a band. Exactly. Just that. The fact that they're in this genre or that genre is immaterial. Mm-hmm. It shows the rise of a band from obscurity to greatness. Right. And the fact that at some point in time, everybody wants to tell you you can't succeed. Right. And you have to have the garbanzos to say, I'm sorry, you're wrong. Here I go. Yeah. And well, it, they have a story to tell. Sure. And it, it, you know, everybody needs to hear it. Whether you like the genre or not, you need to hear the source and where the music came from to, right. to understand. You may hate the music, but the story Look, may very well be good. a lot of people hate good. gospel, but you have to know. Right. A lot of people hate the blues. It's the same thing. You you have to know where those stories come from. I agree with you completely. The one we're going to play, 1976, number seven on the list, Stevie Wonder, Songs in the Key of Life. Sir Duke. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, Rock School. here on Rock School. A couple more facts about double albums. Yeah. The first hip-hop album to be released as a double album. Right. 1988, He's the DJ, I'm the Rapper, DJ Jazzy Jeff, and the Mm -hmm. Fresh Prince. Oh, sweet. There you go. With regards to double albums, do you remember, did you buy a lot of actual albums, physical albums? Had a ton. Oh, a you did. physical ton of you those did. things, yes. I thought you were an 8-track person for some reason. Well, dude, I had it all. You did? Okay, yeah. fine. Do you remember, were your albums on the first album, was it sides one and two, and then the second album was sides three and four? Or was the first album sides one and four, 
or sides, and then the other one was sides three and something else. Do you remember don't that? I don't remember any of this confusion. Oh, you don't? No. Okay. Is this confusion or is this something that I, I missed? Totally. No, no, no. Here's the thing. If your album was set to sides one and two on the first album, and then obviously three and four on the second right? album, that was called a manual sequence. I Now that I'm thinking about it, it was one and two, three, four. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the album was set to one and four and two and three on the other, no. that was known as an automatic sequence. It was started in the 1960s and was intended to make it easier for listeners to play through the entire set <laughs> on an automatic record changer. Oh my gosh. Because what you could do is set the albums one on top of another. Oh yeah. It would drop, play, right? al- play sides one and two, then yes. you could just pick the two albums up, flip them oh, over. Oh, I gotcha. Then it would play sides three and four uh-huh. for you. So, And again, that's what I said in the very first break. A double album took time if you were going to listen to the whole thing you had to invest a good like what's what's an album take 40 minutes to play yes so you had to invest an hour and a half all i had was time baby there was no internet (laughs) it was me and time that's right well see you grew up also in the middle of cow country no i was in the country yeah i grew up in cleveland we had things to do Mm, smart guy yeah you grew up where watching the grass grow was an art that's right that's right absolutely so you could look at all of that stuff so uh, let me see. Where's my piece of paper? Who's listening to us? WBSD Burlington, Wisconsin. Write in. Tell us. How do you like my wife as the new the new co-host? Who else is listening to us? Uh, it looks like KPUL. Can I say KPUL? KPVL. KPVL. Once again, your writing stinks. <laughs> it does not. That's in Decorah, Iowa. Did I get not. that right, Decorah? Decorah is right. My Did you writing, spell it correctly? My writing is fine. Your, uh, your glasses are horrible. Oh, so, my gosh. My drink is better. Moving along, you will be back in a minute here on Rock School. <laughs> Okay, coming out of the break, time-wise, we have to make this our final uh, talk to you here. All right. Johnny Winter released what would be the first three-sided rock album, not four, three. That's got to mess with your mind, huh? It's called Second Winter. It was on two 12-inch discs. One of the flip sides of the second disc was blank. I've never seen it, but I can imagine it was just a simple blank disc. We received at the radio station, the uh, the flagship station mm-hmm. here, KSLU, a disc that was only one-sided. Really? Right, and the other side of it was laser etched with some pretty pictures, and Todd, the uh, general manager, mm-hmm. took it and put it up on his wall. <laughs> I mean, none of the songs were worth playing, so he just put it up on the wall because it was really pretty. If you remember, uh, Styx put out an album called Paradise Theater. Right. Now, obviously, there were songs on both sides of it, but both sides, maybe it was just one side, was laser etched with these beautiful statues on either side, but the album played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you got a playable album, but then if you sort of turned it into the light like a hologram, mm-hmm. 
you saw these beautiful statues. So there's lots you could do. In 2005, the Mars Volta released their album Francis the Mute, on which the vinyl pressing spanned five sides of vinyl. Goodness. The five sides obviously left a side that wasn't covered. The sixth side was an etching of trees. Wow. Same thing that we got at the, the radio mm-hmm. station. Again, Todd probably would have put that up on his wall. You know uh, he would. Yeah, he's got a lot of stuff up on his wall. Here are the remaining albums that we have in the Rolling Stone poll, and I'll ask you which one you want to listen to. All right. Number six, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness by Smashing Pumpkins, Mm -hmm. 1995. That was 10 million in units. Life After Death, Notorious B.I.G., that was 10 million in units. That was from uh, 1997. Spearbox and the Love Below, that's the Outcast album where each of them took one of the albums and created it. 2003, 11 million. Here's number three, Physical Graffiti Led Zeppelin, uh-huh. 1976, 16 million oh units. Oh, my gosh. Number two, The White Album by The Beatles, right. 1968, 19 million. And then, finally, the number one selling. Drum roll, please. Well, the thing is, the number one selling is actually Michael Jackson's history. But uh-huh. Rolling Stone and me don't consider it a double album because it's a greatest hits LP. The number one selling, I guess, new music LP is Pink Floyd's The Wall. Whoa. So I brought something from Physical Graffiti, The White Album, and The Wall. So do you have a preference on what we play? I can play something from all three of them. Well, I think you need to play something from The Wall. They you are in their spot. The Absolutely. We'll end on The Wall. So thank you again. You're here every week, whether you like it or not, because I keep putting shows together and I need someone to bounce ideas off of. And thank you for stepping in and thank you for letting me put together a, uh, a studio upstairs. Does this mean that you're like going to do more house chores and go buy groceries? Let's not get crazy. My name is Joe Burns. You are? I am Tammy Burns. Classes dismissed. We don't need-